Welcome to Living a Sex Positive Life, where we can guarantee the topic will be about sex. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures, the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and just talk about that touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. I am joined tonight with my husband and co-host, John C. Luna. Hello, everyone. And tonight's guest, um, she's actually my role model for sex-positive parenting. I've been, I've known her for five years, six years. It's about a going a few years <laughs> there. Um, but it is the wonderful, amazing, the Mama Sutra, Lene St. John. She's a DS. DHSACS is a board certified sexologist, sexuality educator, and writer. She received her doctorate in human sexuality from the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality, where she focused on child and adolescent sexuality. She develops curriculum, teaches classes, and works with clients to normalize conversations about sexuality between parents and children. Welcome to the show. I know there's more to your bio, but I rather feel like you should explain you because I love how you parent your kids. And I sometimes I even use those techniques on my daughter. Oh, thank you so much. No, that's really flattering to hear that, uh, that you, you look up to how I deal with my kids and, and sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes it's fun. It's, uh, it's always challenging, but yeah, I, uh, I've got a pretty good relationship with them now as a result, I think. <laughs> oh, definitely. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like people need to follow yeah. your consent journey with your kids when they start yelling consent to each other. I'm like, oh my God, that's priceless. <laughs> so yeah. So what Angelique is talking about is, um, you know, I've, I've been dealing with my kids and teaching them about consent since they were really, really young. And one of the stories that I blogged about was about how, um, uh, one of the early lessons had to do with tickling. Um, you know which example I'm thinking of, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So in tickling my kids, you know, when they were really little, we would tumble around on the floor and wrestle and, and tickle. And, and I had this sort of flash one moment where I was over, you know, my youngest, I think it was, and she was on her back and I'm tickling, tickling, tickling. And, you know, there's, I, I could see myself in that moment as the child and having someone bigger than me over me tickling me and me wanting to have them stop and not really knowing how to, how to communicate that when I'm in the midst of, you know, practically needing to pee because I'm being tickled so viciously. <laughs> so I, I sort of had this moment where I stopped what I was doing and I said, you know, if it's too much, if my tickling you is too much, I want you, to, I want to just welcome you to say, stop whenever you want me to stop and I'll stop. No questions asked. I'm not going to, you know, pout or anything. I'm just going to stop. And I said, let's try it. And so, you know, we resumed tickling. And as soon as she got to the point of, of wanting me to stop, she said, stop. And I froze. It was kind of a game of freeze tag at that moment. I froze. And you know, she kind of looked at me and blinked with those big baby eyes. And she kind of squinted them back together and grinned. And she said, Go. you know resume tickling but that was that was kind of the first lesson in in or one of the first lessons at least in in uh consent and there was another moment where um my mom came to town with my sister and with my sister she had her daughter and I hadn't seen my niece for months and uh you know I, I 
she came in the house, my niece, and she was like uh, probably 18 months old, if that, yeah, about that. And I crouched down to her level and I put my arms out and I said, oh, come here and give me a hug. And she sort of leaned into mom and grabbed mom's leg and didn't really indicate that she wanted to come to me. And so I said, all right, that's okay. When you're ready for a hug, I'm here and I'll give you a hug. But my mom, you know, grandma, said, oh, just grab her and give her a hug. And it was, it was really in that moment where I saw, you know, pre-verbal, child's not able to say, you know, I don't know you really. <laughs> I don't recognize you or right now I'm not comfortable giving you a hug. And it was up to me to be the adult and say, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, well, mom, she's very clearly giving me a sign that she's not comfortable giving me a hug. And so I'm just going to let her come to me when, when she wants to. And of course, you know, a couple, I don't remember how long it was, half an hour, an hour or so later, you know, she's in my lap and she's, you know, letting me read her a book. So it's, um, it's these kind of moments where, you know, you kind of have to take the cue of the child as well and mm-hmm. see what they're comfortable with. And sometimes they're not comfortable with touch and that's totally fine. Should be fine. Uh, even as an adult, if somebody's not comfortable with touch, well, it definitely people gives them yeah. a sense of control, which I know a lot of us growing up, we're told, you know, hug this person and don't embarrass me, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. you kind of, kind of felt guilty if you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, think of all the times too, where we, uh, without our kids consent, you know, grab them and help them brush their teeth or brush their hair and, and, you know, there are certainly lots of instances where parents do that, and it's not a malicious thing, it's not a, a hurtful thing, but, you know, kids kids do learn about what kind of autonomy, what kind of control they have over their own body, and at some point, you know, it makes sense to sit down with the kid and say, hey, you know, I realize I've been doing this, and I really want you to know that your body is your body, and I'm here to support you in, in being able to say no, or, you know... <laughs> expressing whatever boundaries they may want to express. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And and it's great because I often use the tickling um, example in a lot of my workshops when I'm talking to parents and even adults about consent. You know, that's how young you, you know, raise your kids to talk about it. But even like in a couple of your blog posts and social medias is how your girls turn around and they're like, I didn't give consent. And they they throw the consent flag, like flag football. I'm like, what the heck? Which our daughter has learned too. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, actually that is, uh, you know, I'll hear them. um, I'll hear them, you know, it's just kind of the sibling bickering that they'll do. And I'll be in the other room and I'll hear no consent. (laughs) And then things will, you know, most of the time they'll slow down or stop. <laughs> but it's nice to hear that they can say, you know, I don't consent to this. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome there. And it's just like, so a lot of your workshops that you do, is it mostly for parents or is it adults? How, how do you do it? Because I know you've been really busy um, even starting teaching at a local college there in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, actually, I took a position as a human sexuality instructor. It's like a basic human sexuality class, but it's teaching college-level kids. And it's it's really been a wonderful position. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I tell lots of stories, anecdotes. Um, you know, just yesterday we were talking about female anatomy because uh, 
semester has just started. And so we're talking about the anatomy of vulva owners. And, uh, you know, I showed a video and it was, I think it was Betty Dodson's video about the internal clitoris. Yes. And I know that one. At the, yeah, it's a great video. Um, and at the end of the video, one of the students raised their hand. It was a, a male student and he expressed surprise that the clitoris can get erect. And he, he wanted to have a, a deeper conversation about that. And I said, you know, uh, I, I sort of, um, what's the word? I was wondering aloud, basically, if the reason why most people don't understand that the clitoris can get erect, it's because lots of times when people start to get busy, they'll go right for the vulva, right? Mm -hmm. So when they want to get busy, when they want to have sex, you know, instead of, um, you know, I don't know, they'll, maybe they'll start with kissing, but then immediately the hands go to the vulva. And I said, you know, you would do your partner's so much pleasure, you know, if you just started from the outside in, you know, work your way, um, you know, you could start teasing the arms and like feeling stroking. You can use firm touch, light touch, feathery touch, you know, whatever you can start with the toes, you know, there's start from the outside and work your way in. And eventually, you know, that physiological arousal is going to, you know, you might actually get your partner to start to beg you to touch them. <laughs> but if you sort of hold off and, and work your way up to that point, then it's, you know, your partner's going to thank you for that. <laughs> I imagine your partner would thank you for that. <laughs> oh, yes, the mind-blowing sex. That's how it starts there. Look for the things that start the floor play, either through the uh -huh. brain or touch. You know, I think we, it's, a lot of people just kind of miss that part a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to you know, immediately start going for the vulva, put your hand down the person's pants or whatever. But it, it, uh, there are other strategies that can be a lot more, uh, exciting. And, <laughs> and I think, um, you know, I have a lot of football players that sit in that class and they usually kind of, there's a, a little chatter that happens between them during class. But when I was talking about this, nobody was talking. <laughs> <laughs> like, this I is the important stuff. <laughs> exactly. So that was something where, Nobody was nobody was talking out of turn in that in that portion of the lecture, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, teaching this, the college students has been fun. A lot of the people that I talk to though are parents, um, parents, either new moms or couples who are you know learning how to talk to their teenagers about dating and relationships and love. Um, one of the workshops I had was was just that it was talking about dating and relationships and. You know, we get hung up, I think, on talking about sex and, and worrying about talking about the right thing or, or saying too much. But really, a lot of what we're doing is role modeling. And so how are we talking about relationships and dating with our kids? You know, um, I had, I've had lots of conversations. And when I went through my divorce, I had conversations with my daughters about, um, about dating and, my oldest came up with a list of, oh, and I'm drawing a blank on it now. I wrote a blog post about it, but it was basically, you know, the top 10, I think it was, mm -hmm. um, what was it? It was the, uh, things, 
I learned from my mom's failed dating relationships. <laughs> yes, I remember that one, which I found kind of interesting because I think she was only like 13 at the time when she came up with that list. Yeah, she may have been. Let's see, she's 13 yeah. now, so it might have been longer, actually. It's, it was longer ago because uh, it wasn't... I wasn't dating my current partner, and I've been him, with him now for four years. So it was, yeah, she might have been nine Yeah, when she, when she came up with that list. But, you know, it's, um, they're certainly observant, and their kids are completely aware of what's going on. And especially if they're tuned into their bodies, they can really feel when something is, you know, right or not right. Um, yeah, and I think that's... That's a, a really key skill that lots of adults sort of lose touch with as well. And so, you know, helping them with helping them get back in their bodies as well and working with adults has been rewarding as well. Yeah, definitely. Because I know a couple of times when I start my workshops, how to talk to your kids, I start with how do you learn your relationships? And they all give me like the crooked head look of like, what are you talking about relationships? We're here to talk about sex. I'm like, that's part of sex. Mm -hmm. It's the mm -hmm. healthy relationship. If you don't have a healthy relationship, how do you know mm -hmm. you're having great sex? Because then you're not able mm -hmm. to communicate or compromise or even give consent of what you want yeah. in your sex life. Yeah. And I mean, Nine times, I don't know what the percentage would be, but if you can't talk to your partner about sex, you're certainly going to have a hard time talking to your kids about sex. Yeah, I love seeing those parents cringe and say, hey, can you talk to my kid about it? I'm like, no, let me fix you first so you could keep talking <laughs> to your kids because that is your job, not my job. I would love yeah. to take your money, but you know, once I'm done, the kids are still going to have answers and questions and things, and mm -hmm. you need to be the resource, not me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I love outsourcing, but not that much. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, certainly adults need to have an outlet to be able to have these conversations, right? And that's mm -hmm. a lot of what I do as well, helping parents sort of uncover, you know, why do they get so nervous about this? What were the messages they got when they were growing up? Um, you know, one of the things we did in class yesterday with the college students is we talked about, you know, what are the common uh, synonyms or, or what are the slang terms that people use for a female vulva or a vagina. And so the students came up with a, a long list. Um, and some of the words were words that their own parents used um, just because they, you know, they were uncomfortable with saying vagina. Or they thought, one student said that their mom thought the word vagina was too strong of a word. And, I mean, you know, ear, <laughs> uh, hand, those are also parts of the body, but they're not, you know, there's no judgment around the use of that word to describe what's going on. And, you know, if, if, uh, if God forbid, you know, a child is subjected to unwanted sexual contact, I would want my kids to be able to know the word anus or, you know, clitoris or, you know, labia or whatever the word is to be able to be specific to say, where they were touched or, or what happened in particular. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, instead of having a, a more generic, you know, I was touched down there. You never know if it was the belly button or, or where specifically. So, you know, that I'm, I'm an advocate for using the proper terms and really practicing using them. You know, parents who are young, um, or new parents, I should say, not necessarily young, but new parents sometimes are a little squeamish using the, the proper term, but it's really, it's just a muscle to exercise. 
It's definitely a way to help protect the children because studies have shown um, sexual perpetrators will not uh, sexually abuse a child who knows the proper terms of their body. Less likely. Mm -hmm. Less likely there because Mm -hmm. they know that their parents do talk to them about it openly Mm -hmm. versus a child who, like a a little girl would say, you know, your flower. And I'm like, what the hell is a flower? You know, it's like, it's the vagina, it's the vulva, you know, we we gotta, you know, protect our kids, you know, we're all with stranger danger, but a lot of times it's family members who abuse children. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, it kind of dovetails nicely into, um, I'll introduce the, you mentioned the five building blocks to a healthy sexuality, I think, when we were, before we went on the air. Absolutely. And those five building blocks were uh, concepts that I came up with in studying about human sexuality. When I first went back to school, I started to see a pattern when we would talk about different, um, whether it be sexual dysfunction or sexual concerns or, you know, talking to your partner or whatever. And I started to see this pattern that seemed to emerge. Um, and so the five building blocks that I identified are communication, consent, respect, pleasure, and fantasy. And communication, I mean, that includes using the correct terminology. Each, each one of these building blocks has a number of sort of sub, uh, like concepts underneath it. So communication, it's not only the verbal of being able to communicate your needs, wants, or desires, or being able to listen to the same thing coming from your partner. Um, you're also communicating your own feelings and your emotions and understanding that emotion is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that comes up also, um, I don't know if you saw the documentary, The Mask we live in or mask you live in by misrepresentation or the representation project, the same people that did the documentary misrepresentation. No, um, I haven't. Now I have to look into that. Yeah. That, that documentary is amazing. And it really, it, it talks a little bit about toxic masculinity and, and I mean, toxic masculinity is not saying that being masculine is a toxic thing. It has more to do with the messages that kids get specifically boys, but girls get these messages too about what it means to be male. Uh, in the movie, at least, they talk about uh, how harmful it is for a young boy to say, be, or to hear, be a man, mm. right? So that, that is kind of loaded, and that means they can't cry, and they can't show emotion, and they can't be who they are. And, and yeah, so it's, you'd have to see that documentary. It's amazing. <laughs> but I go a little off topic on that. Um, but emotion is not a bad thing, right? No, it isn't. And if you're limiting men to only anger or excitement over their, you know, football team or sports team or sex, you know, or to to lust or whatever, it's really limiting. You know, there's a lot of, there's a whole range of emotions that are more than just, you know, the few that we allow men and boys to, to have. Um, what else? Um, oh, body language. That's another big piece of communication, right? Being able to tune into, um, yeah, somebody's nonverbal language. If I'm closed off, if you and I are interacting and, or maybe even starting to become sexual and I freeze, you know, helping a person to 
talk that out. You know, I noticed you just got quiet. Are you okay? You know, instead of just blazing through and doing whatever you want and, you know, possibly also violating someone's consent because they, they froze and they couldn't, couldn't speak up. Yeah, I think so. people often forget to check in with one another because we're not taught that way. You know, it's like slow down, check in, make sure mm-hmm. you guys mm-hmm. are on the same page because oftentimes I've seen that even at, at play parties and adults interacting. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, I, I don't think they're comfortable with that. Oh, that's okay, you know. Well, yeah. Oh, it absolutely happens in adult interactions. I blame Hollywood. <laughs> I'm going back to that part. Tell me more about that. Tell yes, me more about yes, that. yes, yes. Well, Please tell me. I, I will go off on that because Hollywood has definitely pushed the idea of what a man should be going back to John Wayne. The not crying, the not doing that. They always push, you know, the, the PG uh, sex scenes as all of a sudden, you know, it goes into a squiggly or a fade. Next thing you know, they're smoking cigarettes and everyone's happy. Kind of pushing mm-hmm. that image of, well, it should just be natural. And Mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel natural, then you're just doing it wrong. And sex is something that needs to be learned. I mean, sure, you can figure it out and make a baby, but I can figure (laughs) out how to drive by watching Fast and the Furious. It doesn't mean I'm going to be a good driver. Exactly. And we're put, society has put such shame on talking about this stuff and and has such a control over it that, you know, we have podcasts like this and, and, you know, yourself that are now trying to fix a broken outlook on what should be raising a child. Yeah. 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 I agree with you on the fast and the furious. You, it's not a, it's not a good movie to learn how to drive. Is it? No. <laughs> Just <laughs> like the po- them gassing up. When do they ever go to a gas station? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm still trying to figure out the last, I think it was seven, where they're jumping the car from one building to another. I'm like, come on, that is unrealistic right there. Well, they, they had, I think it was Ludacris, do like a catch-up, if you're watching the last one, what happened in the previous one. Oh, seven. Uh, Something like that. But these. even by movie five, he's like, okay, this is where the laws of physics just stop. <laughs> And at least they oh, admit, really? yeah, they at least admit right out that, okay, from here on out, this is not even close to reality. Cars don't even, <laughs> cars don't fly. Yeah, it's uh, seven <laughs> minutes of the uh, last seven films of Fast and the Furious. So, so with Luder. Oh, wow. Yeah, so literally in seven minutes so he goes sums, through. sums them all up. Yep. Okay. Well, you know, that, that also, that brings up a good point. So the last building block is called fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. And so without... Formal education, and I'll even admit that sometimes formal education in America is not the greatest around sexuality, right? Because not that many states require medically accurate education around sexuality. But aside from that, what we observe about sex in movies or TV or, you know, the porn that's out there, if it's not, you know, the good make love, not porn type porn, um, everything that we're learning is someone else's fantasy, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't get to see in traditional adult content or, or porn when the camera stops, they move, they change positions or whatever. And and then they resume there's editing and you don't get to see, you know, all that's on the cutting room floor. (laughs) So you're just seeing, someone else's fantasy and you get to you get to explore uh only what you're seeing right 
Right. They don't see the behind the scenes of like, I'm starving, I'm freezing, I had to like poop everything out for the last three days, and I have like 30 people seeing me naked here. (laughs) But it would be nice to even have a porn. And I guess, I don't know, could it be like reality TV porn? I guess it wouldn't be TV. But, you know, where you get on the bed and you nail your knee on the bedpost, which does happen. Or you get really into it, but you know what? Um, I didn't eat right today, so I don't have an erection. Doesn't mean I'm not excited. Or better yet, you know, you start getting into it, and then you start realizing, oh, I really should have cut my nails if we were going to do this earlier today. And that. Mm-hmm. So there's so many incidents that happen in lovemaking yeah. that yeah. you really don't get a summary of that until you've done it. And then you just... Some people get upset. You got to learn eventually to laugh at it and just move on. Right. You know, the, the closest thing that I know of to real world sex is, um, make love, not porn. Do you know make love, not porn? Cindy Gallup, love her stuff everywhere. (laughs) So I'm not sure if they have sort of the, the outtakes, for example, um, I'd be curious to know if, if the, you know, bump in the knee on the bed or stubbing your toe, you know, if that kind of stuff is, is in there. That's true because you know? a lot of it is crowdsourcing exactly. on, on that website there. Yeah. And I haven't really purchased a lot of that stuff. So yeah, that would be kind of interesting to find out there because she does promote like this is real world, real sex. You mm-hmm. know, this is what mm-hmm. people of all shapes and sizes are having. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are certainly, if I'm not mistaken, there are couples that are are like fan favorites now that have that have come up through Make Love Not Porn. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, real world sex, being able to see those those realistic situations, I'm sure that that's in there as well. So yeah. Um, okay, oh, and, so I know going back to the building blocks. Yeah, no, we were jumping yeah. around there. We were jumping around. So <laughs> I know you kind of mentioned fantasy, but as far as being mm-hmm. fantasy as a building block, you're talking about the ability to fantasize or well, it's more. Yeah. Just, well, certainly that is an aspect of it. The others, the sort of subcategories under fantasy is, um, you know, it's important to maintain a childlike, uh, curiosity around sex, right? Um, if you've ever watched little kids play, you know, they get so focused on what they're doing and you know that whether it's fantasy or pretend or whatever they're doing they just they're so focused on what they're doing and lots of times as adults when adults start to play they get distracted or they start thinking about you know the way they look or you know what their partner's thinking or you know they get easily distracted so the fantasy piece that's part of it being able to sort of like just immerse yourself and forget about all the other you know, day-to-day stuff that comes up, right? That's one piece. Um, the piece about uh, sex, um, what Cindy Gallup says is, is uh, porn has become de facto sex education, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and being able to see that outside of any formal education, everything else is someone else's fantasy, so it's not real. Um, and then that it's okay to have fantasies and and not every one of them has to be acted on or fulfilled. Write your own script. Exactly. 
write your own script or talk about it and don't do it. You know, just talk about the fantasy and see if it, uh, you know, see if it's something that you or your partner want to try or if you just, you, you know, you're not open to that either. So, but being able to communicate about it. A while ago, I had heard a phrase and I believe it was on swing set, something about, uh, the, the best lovers are the selfish lovers. And it's <laughs> not because they're selfish. It's because they can act like a child. They can push all that out. They're not mm -hmm. that insecure of, again, what is my partner thinking? Mm -hmm. And they tend to have the most enjoyable, uh, uh, wildest, I think, sex because they're, they're not constantly worried about stuff and distractions. They are getting back mm -hmm. to that selfish child of this is my play. Yeah, I can see that. I'd agree with that. And that you know, another... Mm -hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's, there's one other piece to fantasy, which, you know, we've talked a little bit about porn, but as it relates to talking to your kids, the approach that I took with my kids was to talk about things as it, um, just to mention, there are things you can't unsee. Yes. <laughs> um, and in talking to them about it, I wasn't using any, any porn or any specific example that had to do with, um, adult content. What I mentioned to them from my perspective were a couple things that I, you know, I have a very vivid picture of it in my head when I even talk about it or think about it. But, you know, the movie Alien. Oh, where, yeah. <laughs> you know what scene I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> where the, the alien jumps out of the guy's stomach, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I usually think of the Spaceball version where the, the alien jumps out and starts singing, hello, my darling, hello, my friends, oh. <laughs> to get rid of the alien original version. <laughs> That's a better version. <laughs> Certainly not as triggering or scary, but so yeah, so the alien uh, scene and then um, Jaws, the first Jaws, that had me scared of the ocean for a really long time. <laughs> It had a lot of people and scared of the ocean. Yeah, and it was, you know, the interesting thing about it is you don't actually see the shark bite her. You just see her get pulled under the water, right? That was enough. <laughs> and your mind fills in the rest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Stephen King's It in Clowns. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, so you know, porn, there are things you can't unsee. And, and having those conversations, and my kids got it right away. I have to say, I... You know, I don't know if it has more to do with the fact that we talk about this topic openly at the house or, um, or they, you know, maybe they just don't have an interest yet. Um, but the things that I don't have my kids going to the internet to, to look at porn, it could be, I have a big library here too, <laughs> but I don't have any issues with them going to the internet for porn. You know, I see more, um, you know, they'll, they'll sit and binge watch Disney Disney series, which I'm not a huge fan of, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, those are the kind of, or else they'll binge watch something on Netflix and, and yeah, I mean, it's a different issue, a different problem. <laughs> it, it's a totally different generation. Cause I even, you know, roll my eyes at some of the stuff that they talk on Disney and I'm like thinking, Oh my God, when Mary with children came out and what Kelly Bundy was wearing <laughs> is now considered acceptable. And back then mm -hmm. was considered like, Ooh, taboo, sleazy, scandalous. scandalous. Mm -hmm. That's like mm -hmm. how the times have changed. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, it's very funny with children. And I do think this goes into adults that when you tell them, don't go in the cookie jar, that's the only thing they think about. 
<laughs> and, and when you tell someone, you know, you go to any website, but don't go to this website. Well, now that's stuck in their head, and that's the one they want to go to. Yeah. But yeah. One, one more one more quick thing, because you did talk about Alien, and how often do I get to talk sci-fi on a show like this? <laughs> Ridley Scott, uh, the director, didn't tell them what was going to happen. He told them oh. to hold him down and go with the rest of the scene. So when you see that real look of surprise on their face, when the prosthetic oh, wow. rips through his chest, that's, and the spray of blood, that's all genuine because he wanted it to be surprised. <laughs> and I'm sure after that, he got a mouthful of, what the hell are you doing to oh, us? Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's another form of consent. <laughs> they were violated. I don't know that I would have, yeah. I don't know that I would have wanted to be an actor or actress sitting there watching this thing come out of a person's stomach and you have no idea it's going to happen. It's not part of the script. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm sure it was one of those, hey, the final project came, to, came out really well. Oh, really? You want to work with him again? <laughs> Hell no. I was scared shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've, we've come a long way in terms of consent. <laughs> At least I hope to, I like to think we have. Maybe that doesn't happen so much in, in movies nowadays, but I could be completely wrong. <laughs> oh, I think that's one workplace exception where things that happen in movies <laughs> kind of just happen. And, uh-huh. you know, at least it doesn't happen in the workplace anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. We go. You know, every, <laughs> once in a while, I caught an episode of uh, Mad Men and thought, oh my God, people actually did these things. Have you ever caught mm-hmm. that show? No, oh, yeah, I uh, I watched the whole series and somewhere in the middle there, I, I either slept through the middle or or something. But yeah, I enjoyed the series. <laughs> Just looking at them again in the beginning, first season. I've only seen a couple episodes till now. I'm like, how did women ever want to get with a guy if they were acting like that? They were such <laughs> asses. Yeah, yeah. But they were also. T- <laughs> taught this is what a guy does and this is what you should fall in love with yeah yeah and and certainly i think i had a conversation with my mom recently about how you know if a if a man said something that was ridiculous or you know just completely you know out of bounds or off the rocker you know she was taught to just sort of laugh it off and <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> it's some people certainly still do that, but I think a lot more people, at least a lot more of my acquaintances now, are much more vocal and, and verbal about that, you know, speaking yeah. up about you know, when a situation like that pops up. <laughs> no, I totally agree on that. Okay, so we mm-hmm. covered communication, consent, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantasy, fantasy, so yes, so now we need the other two, pleasure and... So, yeah, there are a couple of things I wanted to add to consent, too. Okay. So... so you have the importance of boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing what, what works for you and, and what doesn't. Um, but consent is also, at least in, in the book that I wrote, the, the draft that I've done, um, or the manuscript, it's finished, but I'm just working to try to find a publisher right now. Um, you know, learning ownership for your own body, um, embracing and exercising the ability to say no. Um, you know, another really important point in this is, is being able to accept no for an answer. I mean, how many people's kids shop parents for the yes? 
you know, one parent says no or says go ask your mom or your dad, you know, yeah. or go ask the other parent, you know, it's... um. Oh, that never happens with us. <laughs> <laughs> Not with a 16-year-old, never. <laughs> helping, helping kids to know when no is no. You know, and I think Reed Mahalko does a lot of really good work with that, with, you know, when, it, when you're maybe you should just be a no, right? Um, yeah, there's, there's uh, I know the cuddle parties also talk about, you know, maybe should be a no until you really know what it is you want to ask for as a yes or to accept as a yes. So that's consent. Um, the third block is respect. Um, and respect is having a healthy respect for yourself and for others. You know, um, having a healthy learning, a healthy body image, um, being okay with nakedness. You know, body respect is a, is a really important thing. And, and uh, respecting other people's bodies as well. So it's it's... You're, you're not, um, how do I say this? Um, lots of times when we see bodies in advertising, they're, uh, objectified, right? True. Um, being okay with understanding what is object or understanding what objectification is and, and having a respect for another person. Um, Let's see what else. Sort of dovetailing with consent is is do no harm, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just just do no harm to to anyone else, and that yeah goes with consent. And virginity, I, I I included virginity or the concept of virginity, which I don't actually like that term. Um, I included that in the respect bullet point or or building block as well. But I'd actually like to change the concept from virginity to sexual debut. Ooh, that's and, good. I like that. Yeah, there's a couple reasons for it. One is some people didn't get to choose their sexual debut due to unwanted sexual contact, right? True. Um, and then also, since virginity is tied to what penises do with vaginas, right? It's it's penis in vagina sex. That's the definition of when you lose your virginity. You know, there are people who will not lose their virginity because they're not interested in heterosexual sex. So naming it as a sexual debut allows each person to define for themselves when they became sexual and in what way. You know, some people might call it their first kiss. Some people might say the first time they had an orgasm. Some people might say you know, just whatever way they want to define it for themselves. So the virginity piece, I think, was, um, I want to take away that word. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you because a lot of times the kids go with the loophole poop hole. It's like, hey, we have anal sex. It's not really sex. We have oral sex. Mm-hmm. It's not really sex. I'm like, it's still sex. Mm-hmm. Your body is penetrated one way or another via mm-hmm. toys, via anatomy. You're still having some form of penetration. But, but even if it's not mm-hmm. penetration, it is two girls together. It's still, mm-hmm. you know, it would be losing their virginity even if, go scientifically, the hymen is still intact and there was no penetration. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, and I, a lot of people like to see the hymen as some sort of virginity uh, freshness seal. <laughs> and it's, it's not. I mean, <laughs> the hymen can break for a lot, in a lot of different ways, right? <laughs> 
Absolutely there. I, I think it was some religious whack job who created the uh, virginity and the hymen's kind of deal, but it goes many, many thousands <laughs> of years, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You yeah. got to find the history yeah. on that. Well, and, and even today you'll hear of countries needing or wanting to institute some sort of uh, virginity check. Gosh, I want to say this was somewhere recently on the other side of the ocean where someone was trying to do a virginity um a purity. Uh, That's awful. Yeah. I yeah, I'm thinking online. it's Google it. <laughs> yeah, probably somewhere in the Middle East. But at the same time, I was mm. thinking that sounds something like the South would do. Mm. I'm sorry, this Bible yeah. Belt. We're crazy enough to do that shit. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I uh, haven't forbid that actually happen here, but uh, or happen anywhere. But I want to say there was something like that going on recently. Yeah, well, well considering yeah, okay. so a lot of the crazy laws out there, yes. <laughs> so the last bullet uh, or building block is about pleasure. And lots of parents have a difficult time with this one because they, for whatever reason, a lot of what happens in our culture as it relates to pleasure, people think of it as sexual pleasure. And I look at it more broadly in the simple power of human touch, right? Mm. So a hug, for example. I, I myself, I know that there have been times when I needed a hug and that evoked tears. And there have been other times when I've been crying and getting a hug can sort of calm me down, calm my, calm my nervous system down. So the pleasure is more than just sexual pleasure. Um, teaching that if there is any sexual pleasure, that it should be there for both or all parties or, or whatever the case may be, <laughs> however many, threesome, more some, whatever, even as it relates to talking to adults, right? Um, and then pleasure is also self-care. You know, what are the ways that you take time for your own pleasure. And what are those things? Is it reading a book? You know, um, talked to somebody recently who that's like meditation for them. They love to sit down with, you know, a new book a week and just hammer through. And that's, that's their self care. There's this, I, I think it's strange association between pleasure and guilt. And a lot mm -hmm. of people feel it. Mm -hmm. And, it, it, it's really weird because it makes complete sense that, you know, I don't know, an athlete plays a game and he needs to heal. That That's mm -hmm. physical. Everyone makes sense. And, you mm -hmm. know, after a long day, you need to decompress. People say and relax or watch TV or something. But if your decompression, whatever is, is sexual, now all of a sudden, you know, the shame on it that a lot of people feel is, is a lot to, it's a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you raise a, a good point with we advertise a lot of things like Miller time, right? Like you deserve a break today or, or you know, whatever these things are, we, we're telling people that they deserve to enjoy these things. But, you know, yeah, when it comes to sex, it's, uh, there's a lot, it's a lot more fraught with, with, you know, insert word here, embarrassment, shame, guilt, um, pressure, uh, coercion, you know, whatever the, whatever the word is, you know, we, we find ourselves in these situations where 
you know, we, we just don't really get to enjoy the thing that we really want to enjoy. No, that includes chocolate because they always say chocolate's a guilty pleasure. I'm like, seriously, it's food. It makes me like happy. I've lost the signal there. Are you still there? Yeah, we're, we're still, still here. here. Can you hear Hello? us? Hello? Uh oh. <laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't hear any response to that. Okay. So I wasn't oh yeah. Sure if I cut out or uh, we heard you. You ducked heard- out for a moment, but yeah. I think we're back. And I'm just going to blame it on a potential hurricane and the internet. Oh, yeah. Boy. Oh, yeah. Boy. No, I was talking about the guilty pleasures of chocolate. I mean, it's food. Oh, yeah. It's comfort. So pleasure. You know, it's so weird how sometimes pleasure is associated with sex, or pleasure is associated with food and guilt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those are the two things that make you feel guilty. But I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. We need mm-hmm. some happiness in our lives. Yeah. 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 I'm in full agreement there. <laughs> One what? daughter just came in to give me a kiss. <laughs> I don't know where she's going, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so yeah. So, those were the five, the five building blocks. You know, um, as I. Hold on a second. Next one. Bye. <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries. Tackled by a tackled by a dog while I'm on the phone here, but <laughs> <laughs> getting kisses. Um, well, they're important. See, I, <laughs> they certainly are. It's certainly a good form of of pleasure. Um, you know, one of the things that I I learned early on in in learning about talking to your kids about sex and things like that. Um, when we talk, whoops slamming the door. <laughs> Typical teenagers. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, so you, you start with really basic concepts and you start with the proper terms, the, you know, the, whatever terms you're using, uh, or hopefully they're the medical terms for the parts of the body. Um, but you start with really basic things and you add on, right? So very similar to how you teach kids the concepts of around math, right? When they're really little, you're actually playing with little blocks in lots of instances and you're, you know, stacking the blocks or you're, you know, one plus one, you know, now you have two blocks and you start really simple. So as the kid gets older, as a child ages, you start to add more complex topics. Like then you start to talk about consent and, and I feel like the building blocks that I have here are they're complementary to whether you're learning about abstinence only education, which I'm, you know, abstinence only before marriage sex education is not necessarily my favorite. Um, no, neither us. Yeah. <laughs> but if that's where you're oriented, you know, I certainly can work with that and, and help you, um, you know, help parents understand why these other concepts are, are really important. Um, you'll notice that these building blocks really don't have anything to do with what you know, where penises go or what, you know, you know, penises in vaginas or anything like that, but they really lay out a healthy foundation for, you know, once you grow into your adult sexuality. Um, what else? I oh, no, think, that's a, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that's a, that's a really good point. Cause as you were going through them with the communication, it, it, yes, it's important for relationships, but it's also important in business and just in society, the communication. So all of these are building blocks that are just great for growing up, uh, for raising children, but they also definitely support being prepared, having the outlook and the proper vocabulary and tools to have a proper sex life. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you're not being sexual, I think we were talking about this before we went on the air. Uh, you know, I took my kids to Burning Man this year. And <laughs> um, Burning Man is a festival that most people think of it as like drugs, sex, debauchery, you know, hedonistic and just all kinds of crazy things. Unless you've actually been there, then you know what it's about. But I took my kids this year and in preparation, uh, the theme camp that I was involved with, you know, said we want to make the kids feel welcome. But how do we, you know, there might be some areas that they wouldn't want to go into. You know, how do we how do we mark those areas off? And I introduced that, you know, the, the idea of there are things you can't unsee. And the woman who I was talking to was, you know, she was like, yeah, that, that makes total sense. And it it applies to adults as well, you know, <laughs> to alert an adult that, you know, up ahead, there might be something here that you can't unsee. So you might want to rethink whether you want to go ahead or not. So giving people consent or giving people information about, you know, what they could pot- potentially be walking into is really important for anyone. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think sometimes we kind of forget those things until after the fact. It's like, oh, shit, I can't unsee that. I can't, you know, it's like mm-hmm. that That should be like a meme or a poster. Just be prepared. You're going to see stuff that you cannot unseen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I personally don't go see horror movies because I know it's stuff that I can't unsee. <laughs> yes, the specific reason I haven't watched any of the Saw movies. I don't want to. <laughs> But yet we go to Halloween Horror Nights and they have the Saw Haunted House. Come on, give me a break here. Oh, wow. Okay. We've avoided. Yeah, I, I saw the movie. Uh, I saw the first Saw and I actually walked out. I'm, I just don't have a stomach for it. <laughs> I know a lot of other people are, that's, that's you know, they, they love it. And they can suspend disbelief and all that. But I just, I really get, I really get pulled in. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's funny because this is, I'm going to go back probably 20 years. And I remember mm-hmm. I was at a movie. I don't remember which movie. I just remember it was violence. Uh, there was definitely death. And then I was on a date, and there was an older couple, uh, probably in their 60s, maybe three, four rows in front of us. It wasn't a very crowded theater. Mm-hmm. And when it got to the romantic scene, the moment a breast popped out, I heard a grunt. They both got up together and left. Oh, and wow. I thought how weird that was. That, like, right before that the romantic scene, you know, th- th- there was literally someone getting shot in the head. And I, God, wish I remember Oof. which movie this was. And I'm like, Gosh. so all of that is okay and that's acceptable to you. A boo popped out and you mm-hmm. leave in protest. And I'm, mm-hmm. it, it just, mm, yeah, that goes, yeah. yeah, that goes to like the Facebook policy. You could show violence, blood, gut, and gore, but anything that is breastfeeding, sexual education, yeah. it's banned. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. yeah. Well, think about how our country reacted to Janet Jackson's nip slip in, in the Super Bowl. Oh, God. You know? And even probably more recently was the incident where a water polo player, um, it was a woman, female water polo player in one of the most recent Olympics, I guess, well, maybe a few years ago now, but one opponent pulled on the swimsuit and the boob popped out and Twitter reacted in two different ways. You either had people with shock saying, how dare they show this on TV? And you had the other people saying, I had no idea that, you know, water polo was so exciting. And <laughs> was on TV, you know? So, yeah, you're going to get <laughs> both sides. You're always going to get that I mean, mixed crowd. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of violence, and, and I've certainly watched movies with my kids that have... Um, 
you know, the more romantic situations, I'm trying to think of, there was one, um, I'm not going to be able to think of it before the end of the show here. <laughs> there was one featuring a, a relationship between a, a trans couple. Um, oh, goodness. I'm, I'm was that a Netflix blank. I'll have movie? To look it up on, on um, Netflix because it was a movie that we watched. Okay. And, it may have been Senses 8. Senses 8. Senses 8. No, I don't. No, I don't think it was wasn't. a series. No, this is an actual mo- movie. But since the yeah, it had a scene like that, yeah, okay. So, and you know, it's. I don't have any problem with seeing, re- you know, bodies. Um, I am. I am. I've gotten more bothered by the violence and and. Yeah, where it's unnecessary and it's just it's just. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I've I've gotten a little more prudish in that sense. <laughs> well, the violence the definitely. Thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting the uh, the motion picture um, rating, you know, the rating system that they have, and that swearing and and sexual content gets such uh, scrutiny, but blood and guts and gore and shooting and all that just doesn't seem to. It's it's accepted, you know. It's it's really not even challenged. Yeah, no. They they kind of like even to a certain extent. I've seen a couple movies which I thought should have been like a rated R or even an NC seventeen because of the blood, guts, mm-hmm. and gore. But they kind of do like a PG-13. I'm like, how is that possible? That's a little bit gruesome. But then you go back to when they started rating the video games because (laughs) that back in the day, you could have been blowing up and there was no mature audience rating on the games. And so you Mm -hmm. had seven, eight-year-olds blowing up and blood and guts are, Mm -hmm. what was it, um, that car? Oh, Grand Theft Theft Auto. Auto. Yeah, Yeah. where you got more points for killing a cooker. Yeah, you know, there's a um, there's a funny Daily Show bit uh, or a segment when John Stewart was the host, and I, the the comment or the or the topic was moral combat, and it was a play on mortal combat, and it was talking about <laughs> video game censoring and and the um, you know, you could have super violent games where somebody is eviscerated, you know, split from the legs up, and that's okay. But if that character who was being, you know, split apart should happen to, you know, experience a nip slip, you know, then they would regulate it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, going back to the fantasy uh, building block whatever we're seeing about sex when it's not within like a good education around sexuality, it's somebody else's fantasy. It's just fantasy and making sure people know that, you know, it's not real is, is, you know, by, by, by far the best thing you can do (laughs) tell people it's just not real. So true. (laughs) So true. No, I got, I got, Two quick stories that come to mind before this. Um, I actually work at a school where we have a huge video game program. Uh-huh. And I get a lot of video game information. And one of the interesting stories that came out was there are certain violent video games that were uh, banned in Japan mm. for violent content. And it was basically the ones, yes, like tearing out spines and all that, you know, zombie stuff that 
Uh, I will watch, but again, very violent. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had watched a video game that was a women's volleyball video game. And they completely, the laws of physics stopped between just above their belly button and their neck. Because <laughs> the breast would just, like, they'd stop moving and it would be another 10 seconds of the breast just <laughs> moving around. And I'm like, they're not Kegel balls. They don't have balls inside balls that they keep moving. But that was completely okay. So in Japan, it was like that turnaround of they had this truly fantasy boob fest volleyball game, but then banned the violence. And we're going, yeah, that that didn't go, go very well over here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you think of people who are actually playing volleyball, usually there's a sport bra that's going to hold things you know, pretty close to the body. <laughs> it, it, it has to be. I, I mean, I'm, you can get injured with big enough breasts in certain athletic events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've seen that, actually. That's the scary part. <laughs> We're like, ow, is that even possible? But we just saw it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's possible. <laughs> but as you were going through all of the five building blocks and all that, um, one thing that, that came up on another show we did was, you know, if you go to your doctor and you talk about having a man having issues or uh, someone owning a penis having issues, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they're like, they classify it under, you know, sexual performance. And that is a mm-hmm. term I'm really uncomfortable with because when I think of performance, I think of the circus. Get up on stage mm-hmm. and juggle. I'm like, yeah. It, it, sec, your, it should be your sexual pleasure, your sexual enjoyment, your event. That that sounds so much better. My sexual performance is like the end of it. Do I take a bow and like you know expect a card to go up one to ten like at the Olympics? And then the, and then your partner gets to rate you. <laughs> oh, that could be demoralizing. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, no, I agree with you on the uh, calling anything a performance. Um, plenty of couples that I've worked with have had issues with, um, spectatoring, right? Where you, where you're not in the moment or in the act, really, your head is not in it. You're just, you're, it's almost like you're watching from three feet above, right? Like being a spectator in your own, um, sexual interaction. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's, Lots of time. I mean, that can lead to issues with, you know, not being in the moment and, and judging yourself or, you know, am I doing this right? Or am I, you know, there's a lot of things that come up. Um, so spectatoring. Yeah. And, and looking at, at sexual behaviors as a performance is uh, not where I would want to go. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't get the popcorn and the f- fun kind candy stuff there. <laughs> It's like, that's what it's about, a performance, you know? Candy, popcorn, you know? Yeah. Of course, you get all the stress and, and pressure. Yeah, you do. But, you know, then that's definitely another fe- fetish fantasy right there that we're going into. We're, we're not going there tonight. Okay, it's all about the not kids. Okay. Another day. Definitely. But this has been so much fun. And thank you very much for agreeing to be on the show. I appreciate oh. it very, very much there because, yeah, you're definitely my role model because half the time I'm just like, oh my God, I got to try this. And I do try a lot of the things you talk about on your blog and your social media with our child. And it's worked out very well with her. And yeah, the oh, whole wonderful. open conversation about sex. I know uh, John sometimes is like, la, 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 that's a little bit too much because she is very 
vocal. She, she, she is very vocal about it, and I very much do want to know. It's, you, you need to, when you say you can talk about anything, you have to be prepared to talk about anything. <laughs> so when your daughter looks at you in the eye just on the couch one day, and, you know, you're just sipping your soda, and she goes, you know, Daddy, I, I, I don't think I like the taste of cum. And, and you just have to stop and go, okay, yep. well, yeah. And again, if you want to be a sex positive parent, you have to not freak out like a sex positive parent. Yeah. yeah. And certainly kids are going to try to see what your reaction is. Oh, they love pushing those boundaries. <laughs> That's their job. Boundaries. And that could be a, you know, it could be a good lesson to say, you know, boy, my parents didn't talk to me, you know, didn't, didn't talk with me as openly and so sometimes I find myself you know <laughs> I find myself getting shocked or you know whatever the reaction is so bear with me as I catch my breath here you know <laughs> whatever the case may be but yeah acknowledging it and being real is is what's been working really well for me with my kids <laughs> awesome so how can our listeners find you sure so my website is themamasutra.net, uh, .net, dot, not, .com, or you can find me on Facebook as The Mama Sutra. I have a fan page on there, and people reach out to me uh, through messaging there. Also, Twitter. Um, I would say, for the most part, lately I've been on Facebook most often, but you can find me really on any of these social media um, outlets Instagram as well. Um, I'm just getting ready to post some of the pictures from Burning Man uh, <laughs> that uh, that we had out there. And uh, yeah, my email, if you want to email me, it's mamasutra at me.com. And it's M-A-M-A-S-U-T-R-A at me.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us this evening. You can find me everywhere on social media at Living a Sex Positive Life. I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Woodshed Orlando here, our local dungeon in Orlando who always have educational workshops. And if you'd like to reach me, I'm John C. Luna on Facebook, on Twitter, on FetLife. Uh, drop me a line and say hi. Thanks. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Good night. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>